Welcome to Shmeman Speaks, featuring the words and wisdom of Father Alexander Shmeman from the archives of St. Vladimir's Seminary in New York. The second um, topic given to me today, and I must say it made me very happy, uh, uh, is entitled Mary, the Mother of God. <clears throat> and I hope that as um, I go through uh, this very tentative paper and also, of course, very general, uh, this is our cross. At least theologians, you know, we have to cover every subject. God's existence in 45 minutes, you know. People don't have more time than that. Um, well, uh, as I go through that presentation, I hope you will um, realize why uh, maybe it is something explaining further that mysterious Christian word joy precisely. And even I will begin with um, quoting a hymn which we sing precisely during this season, <clears throat> during Great Lent. Uh, probably many of you know that uh, during Great Lent on Sundays we serve the liturgy of St. John of St. Basil the Great, and that uh, um, after the consecration, the usual hymn to the Mother of God is replaced with a special hymn which begins with these words, which I take as, um, um, as a kind of motto for what I have to say. It begins in this way, in thee rejoices the whole creation. And uh, it is precisely <clears throat> uh, this uh, text that I would like to um, uh, place at the beginning, because I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced, and it may be very strange. To many people it is very strange, and even they really think that one has to be crazy to say that. I'm convinced that we shall not find solutions to the almost to none of the problems that are today um, uh, challenging us unless we understand what we mean by these words addressed to Mary, the mother of Christ. Uh, and not only by these words, because they are only the expression of an attitude, of an experience, of something absolutely central and essential, at least to our Orthodox faith. Uh, and therefore, I, I find in this great um, turmoil, intellectual, spiritual, emotional that goes today, that it is here that we have to look for answers in this unique image, unique, um, I would say, love affair that has been going on between the Church and Mary for, um, for all, for how many, how many um, uh, um, uh, centuries. Um, now, I think I will not surprise anyone, especially the Orthodox here present, by saying that our church is uh, very uh, richly Mariological, if by this we mean a constant reference to prayer, to um, singing praises to Mary. Uh, and yet, if you take the official theology of the church, 
you'll find that uh, those who tried to explain the faith, to explain the faith of the church, and this is exactly the task of theology, very seldom wrote about Mary. So, we have this strange fact. When we go to church, when we participate in the services, and beginning even simply with um, visual experience of the church, you know, the first thing we see is this royal doors with those two icons, and of course, always, always, there's the icon of Christ, and then that icon of the Theotokos with the child in her arms. And then if you listen to prayers, to hymns, constantly there is this um, reference to Mary, uh, which sometimes, especially in this 20th century, to many people seems even exaggerated. I would say that it is not exaggerated, not if you have, uh, I don't know, uh, 100,000 verses written to Mary, not all of them are equally good, that I would say. I mean, uh, they are not exaggerated, but sometimes they are just less, less beautiful than the others. But it is very difficult to speak about this because, as I said, theology has not, maybe thanks to God, has not, quote-unquote, rationalized, rationalized. Now, you know that today uh, there is um, coming to us, reaching us, here and there, I see the signs of that, uh, but coming to us from the West, uh, we see that question mark on Mary. There was already a great question mark on Mary at the time of the Reformation. The Reformation, the Protestant, uh, the Protestant um, negation. Oh, they couldn't expel Mary from the Gospel, <laughs> of course, but uh, they... Uh, succeeded rather well in, in, uh, in identifying what they called the cult of Mary, what we would call the veneration of Mary, with kind of uh, unnecessary, almost idolatrous exaggeration. Uh, now, to this they were pushed sometimes, and I'm not going into history here, by maybe some exaggerations of medieval piety and theology. Today, however, even our Catholic brothers are um, sometimes um, begin to, to, to feel uneasy about their own Mariological heritage. I know it because I happen to be invited many times to, to um, um, conferences of the uh, Catholic Mariological Society, and all I had to do is to say, brothers, don't give up too, too soon, you know. They, I, it was really kind of bad situation. People thought that they are already the little remnant, and... Uh, I said, uh, maybe uh, altogether we can rescue uh, our, our lady from that bad predicament. Uh, now, I, I think it's not accidental. Uh, I think it's not accidental at all. Uh, there is something in Mariology, something in this image of, uh, of the Mother of God, as the Greeks call her Theotokos, Bogorodzic, the birth giver of God. There is something there which is very alien to the modern age in general, to our contemporary, for all those who, who always measure everything by that mythological modern man, you know. Uh, they, they will say, no, no, no. Uh, you noticed maybe, or at least I noticed, maybe you haven't, that even that great uh, movement, which is called the woman movement today, the, the woman's liberation being only the extreme side of that, even that movement which um, normally saying, 
should um, rejoice that within the Christian experience, at least such important place is uh, given to, uh, to one woman, uh, who at least the Orthodox Church has no inhibitions in proclaiming more honorable than the cherubim, more glorious without compare than the seraphim and this and that. No, the woman's liberation, they don't like Mary at all, you know. There's something in her which is not what they want, so to speak. Uh, maybe she didn't pick it. Uh, uh, the, uh, there is something there which doesn't, um, uh, the tonality is not what they want. So we have to, um, to try to rediscover what we are, uh, to, um, uh, what is the meaning of that belief? What is be beyond the belief? I would say, what is the experience of Mary that the Church has, and why we need that experience, and what it, 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 it performs for us right now, today, only if we want to open our eyes, ears, and hearts to that. I will not speak of the historical development of Mariology, by Mariology meaning that veneration of the Mary. It will be very interesting, but that would occupy more than one hour. Um, one thing, however, which I would like to, to, to stress, I have studied that question to the best of my possibilities, how it developed, where, how those feasts appeared, and so on and so forth. And I came to the conclusion which I just can share with you in one sentence. I am absolutely convinced that if we Christians knew nothing else but the fact that Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, had a mother, and that his mother's name was Mary, the church would have instinct, by instinct, mystically rediscovered, or discovered rather, all that which we have today. And uh, remember what I said, because I'll return to that. It's, in my opinion, it's very important. The growth of this Mariology, of this veneration of Mary, is the fruit of a certain spiritual experience generations after generations. My second point is, and that is um, uh, an answer to an argument which um, very often we hear, and that is that origins of much of what we celebrate concerning Mary uh, is not biblical, as they say, especially the Protestants. We have non-biblical feasts. And indeed, the first feast of Mary, to which I'm coming in a minute, the Nativity is not biblical in the sense that it is not mentioned in the Bible. So I remember my uh, little debate with a, with a kind of very biblical pastor, you know, those real evangelical who said, this is where we find our faith, the Bible, where you find yours, you know. Uh, I said, pastor, you're a wonderful man, of course, you'll be in heaven, I will be in hell for my sins because he's really the one, you know, nothing but tomato juice and um, uh, 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 Puritan. He said to me, I said, uh, tell me one thing. Do you believe that Mary existed? Oh, yes, sure, it's in the Bible. I said, now, if she existed, Pastor, wouldn't you agree that she was probably born? <laughs> he said, yes. Therefore, the Nativity is a very biblical feast, you know. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> well, it was a great temptation to him because he felt that he was defeated. I, one thing. As, as if you haven't mentioned, if you haven't mentioned the birth of Mary, but you say that she was alive, you can interfere by very simple logics that she was born. Now, then you certainly can ask the question, what does it mean, the birth of that woman for us? 
because the meaning of that verse doesn't depend when it is. It, the uh, Bible is not a book of theological treaty, you know. But, so, uh, the same thing with the death Mary, what we call her dormition. Again, one of those non-biblical feasts. And yet the church uh, simply knows that her life has come to an end. It is that end that we have the right and the obligation to contemplate and to try in humility and in, uh, in uh, really fear of God to, 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 to investigate, so to speak, with our spiritual investigation. So these are two remarks, therefore, on, on um, um, uh, history would be very interesting, but not important. Now, what my, my method would be as follows, very briefly. Uh, it seems to me that what this whole Mariological dimension of the church's life does is twofold. First, it constantly reveals to us something about or of Mary herself. Now, that is very important. You know, um, again, to go to back to those theological arguments, to, uh, the Protestant would say to me, we don't deny that she was an instrument of uh, salvation. Obviously, as instrument, we accept her. And the same pastor, was it the other one? I said, listen, uh, um, pastor, my mother was the instrument of my birth. But I, 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 I never wrote to her, hi, do you do, dear instrument? You know, uh, <laughs> she, uh, uh, she's my mother. And, and one of the joys of my life has been always that, that, that kind of, I know her, you know, I cannot constantly say yes, but she's only an instrument. Uh, there is something which transcends that. What, are, what is the joy of loving and of friendship in this world? It is exactly that, although love may be instrumental, and it is in many things, uh, instrumental of, 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 of uh, saving the world even. We do not belong to a religion which says you should know God and then feel better, precisely. You should know God, period. That knowledge is the real end, and the end in itself of all religion. This is life eternal, that you should know uh, 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 the, the God and the one whom he sent. And therefore, in only those real, uh, only those things in life are real, are eternal, are joyful, which we know not because they are instrumental of something else but which they exist in themselves. Sometimes an old object, which I keep on my desk, uh, because it is heavy with something, with the kind of, um, you know, I don't know what, memory and so on, is, uh, is, is to me more important than all the gadgets, which will probably make my life much more, you know. No one can ever be in love with a washing machine. Uh, but you can, although it's a very good instrument, but you can be in love with things which you don't need and which make your life human and full. So it's the two different theology also very often becomes a kind of commercialized thing, you know. When we speak about Mary, we are not speaking about why we need her. We have Christ. Why we need her is not the question, but that she is the one who gave us Christ. But Christ is the one who gives us her, <laughs> makes Christianity a, a, a totally unique religion. 
Christ didn't say now she, she, um, what the church was doing. The external history of the church is the history of how we quarreled. Bishops against bishops, theologians against theologians, and this and that. The internal, mystical uh, history of the church is how the church was growing in that knowledge. Or in a term which I don't know how to translate into English, by the way, it's one of the very important term, terms in, 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 in Mariology, in my opinion, uh, but which is difficult. It's lubovania. Uh, uh, lubovania in English is something that, well, it's very close to admiring, but you can admire Napoleon or Charles de Gaulle <laughs> without, hmm? No, countering is the Zerzani, you see. Lubavania is to admire rejoicing in that which you admire, in, in, in finding it beautiful, and this is uh, maybe the key to uh, Mariology. So what I will do is, because I cannot give you the full Mariological uh, presentation here, I'll go through the main points of uh, her commemoration, veneration, by means mainly of the feasts of Mary. There are special feasts of Mary, although they do not exhaust the Mariology. They are, she's, that Mariology is constantly present in every set of prayers, of hymns, is always has at the end a Theotokion, a Bogorodichon, and so on and so forth. Iconography, of course, uh, is, is very important. But <clears throat> what uh, maybe just the main dimensions of that Lubovania, of that loving admiration, of that which constitutes the essential thing, may come through those feasts. And I'll begin precisely with that first feast of our liturgical year, by the way, and that is uh, the Nativity of the Virgin uh, on September 8th. Uh, two footnotes here before we come to the feast itself. The one on the dates of the Mariological feast. Where do the dates come from? The answer is, with the exception of one date, the Annunciation on the 25th of March, which appeared on that date exclusively because of the connection of that feast with, the, with Christmas. 25 years, March is exactly nine months before the 25th of December. The early Annunciation was the week, the Sunday before Christmas. Then it was moved into. Uh, all the other dates are dates with, um, I would almost say, accidental in that sense that, um, for example, this 8th of September does not prove that Mary died, was born on the 8th of September. That did change. But it is the day on which the church was dedicated the basilica in that place where, according to tradition, she was born in Palestine. And that date became the date on which the church celebrates her birth. Uh, and that can be also applicable to other feasts. But um, what is important, therefore, is to say, what do we celebrate in that? If you take, if I could take you through the main liturgical texts of that day, and so on, you would... Um, uh, first of all, notice that there is a, there is a, um, a kind of um, celebration of the concreteness. Let me explain what I mean by that. For example, the icon. The icon, a good icon, is always theologically very important. Uh, 
And when you look at the icon of the nativity, you will see that it is not only the, 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 the image of the mother of Mary, and, uh, but there is always, the mother is on, there is a little baby born, but also indicated iconographically, you know. The concrete uh, knees, when a baby is born, you know, it's, 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 it's a complicated problem, especially before the building of modern maternities. And the icon has um, all kinds of uh, special pots with water, women who are who were just probably washing that baby and so on and so forth. All the, this is one of the most concrete icons. And this is even reinforced, that concreteness, by what? By um, uh, the church's insistence that we name her parents. This is where we reach the acme, the extreme non-biblicity, because the Bible does not reveal the names of the parents of Mary. And those two names, Joachim and Anna, come to us from the so-called Apocrypha, non-canonical scripture, which, of course, already for a hair professor of evangelical faith, <gasps> how can you do that, you know? Uh, now, I would say it doesn't worry me at all, for the same reason for which uh, nativity. Why? I'll tell you why. First of all, because I know that they had names. They were not just father and mother, right? Uh, and even if, you know, uh, 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 I do not see why. Why the Apocrypha, which were close to the time was written, why they would invent something? It is, you know, Joachim and Anna in Hebrew, it's like a Russian couple called Ivan and Maria. Uh, you know, so even, no, suppose that Apocrypha are wrong, and they were not. We still name them. We name them. We, we, it's better. We, we, they are, and naming is very important because there is no such thing as an abstract father, abstract mother, abstract woman, abstract man. What God create, creates is always concrete. Now, what is then the specific celebration here? It is many things. And I'll quickly enumerate them because it's the beginning of that joy which is in thee rejoices the whole creation. First of all, of course, by stressing that concreteness. We, we know nothing yet about the baby itself, right? Especially we orthodox, because we even do not have the dogma of the immaculate conception to say that she was exceptional from the very beginning. We don't say that. So there is nothing except there is, first of all, the celebration of whenever a child comes into the world, there is joy, right? That's the gospel. So, however, we know retroactively that the birth of that child is, 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 is one of the last events before, before an event which, which is salvation, which is everything, which is our return to God in, and, and, and to paradise and to heaven. And that is exactly that the, 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 the coming of Christ. But by celebrating that concreteness, we are identifying, and that identification will grow as we go through all those feasts, you know. What produces Christ? What, what humanity he assumes? He is at the end of a long, long, long line of what? Uh, today, because 
the Christians have pushed nature through the door, it comes back through the window in forms of all the kinds of theories of heredity, for example, right? But we know that each one of us is the result, the fruit of a tremendously mysterious development in history. And that we, there is that internal solidarity of something which happened, I don't know how many times can, can finally... Now, of what Mary is, of what Mary is the fruit, of what Mary is the achievement. Now we know what she will do. We know the uniqueness of her relationship to God. All this somehow was growing. And there are usually the faith, the theology answers, it was God's preparation, history of salvation, history of salvation. Abraham, Moses, Exodus, this, that, you know, that those great events which we constantly um, uh, um, enumerate. But here, it is very typical that whatever concerns Mary, she doesn't speak, she doesn't teach throughout the gospel. We see her at, 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 as, uh, with the baby in her hands and then standing at the cross. And even there, she doesn't speak. And the same thing about how this unique fruit was born. It's all those very, very humble and concrete human tasks, the family. Those endless, endless generations of people who were what? Obedient to God, accepting his will. Preparing, knowing that whatever you do, you know, that, that uh, baking bread is a sacramental act. And keeping the house clean is to fill it with the light of, 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 of the eternal kingdom. All those who are not, you know, those prophets who eat um, um, uh, herring from, from the newspaper simply and, and, and like Bilinsky, the Russian. We haven't yet decided whether God exists and you want to have lunch. Uh, uh, no, there's always lunch. <laughs> there's always someone who, and it is, how does Mary enter? She the most spiritual later on. She the most, um, almost the most disincarnate person, according to certain piety. How does she, what we celebrate in her is this, uh, uh, her belonging as body, as soul, as everything to the concrete world. Not only she's one of us, it seems like the whole creation, and that will, was created so as to finally, finally become through all the things, not only through religion, through everything in this world, the most humble, the most physiological elements, everything is in preparation for that encounter between earth and heaven, which will take place in her, in Mary. We call the day that the beginning, it is also the end. It is the beginning of the Christian story. It's the end of all that prepares all that. And from the beginning, from that feast on, what the real, the real context of the whole Christian theme, God, man, world, is not narrowly religious. It is always this, the whole thing which is involved, the whole of the matter, the whole of human existence, family, love, food, everything. In, why it's so important? 
it's so important because it is much easier sometimes for us to think that religion is just a little bit of religion in the corner. We put an icon there, and we are sort of, then you can put Picasso there, you know, uh, and what Picasso? Uh, 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 the, the, here the whole, the, it is this nativity, as nativity of that, that little girl comes to the world and the climate begins to change. And we, so we know something about her. She is the product, the fruit, the end of that endless Old Testament. God preparing, God selecting, God directing that history so as to make it possible that ultimate encounter. We know something through her about who we are, about creation. We know mainly one thing which is so important for the proper religious experience, and that is something which in the other part of the Bible is so well shown. When Moses is, uh, when Elijah is summoned to meet God in the mountain, and there was fire, and God was not in the fire, and there was wind, and God was not in the wind, and there was earthquake, and God wasn't there. God was none of those big things. God comes us into the reality of the small and simple things. It says, "He built glass, chlada tonka." small, still voice. And that is where God made himself known to Moses. And so Mary, from the very beginning, um, give greatness to small things and reveal us small what we call great things. She is introducing the other logics. And it is even more important to see how it develops in the second feast, the presentation of the temple. Again, a totally non-biblical feast especially in the way it is presented in, 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 in the feast. You know, it, taken the, it takes the, um, well, it's like Christmas tree. What is the mystery of the Christmas tree? Whatever you put in it, everything goes. Huh? Uh, uh, um, silver something, gold something, a little car, a little airplane, and then your uh, last grandchild will come and put a pencil on it. And nothing can be, I mean, it's even more and more joyful. Now, in the same way, uh, some medieval Christians were decorating Mariology. They put that feast, you know, that when she entered the temple, ten girls enter, uh, met her, and so on. Uh, our modern sens sensitivity or sensibility, whatever you call it, would be, I don't need all those girls. I mean, I, of course, I go to that service. Why not? But maybe it was a simple rainy day. And no one noticed, including that high priest, that a little girl entered that because everyone went to that church. We all entered. I don't remember when, when, my, when I was taken for the first time to the temple. I don't know. I'm sure I was. God knows the meaning of the events. The church in God knows the meaning of the events. What happens when that little girl enters? The troparian, the Kentuckian of the feast answers. The temple of the God enters into the temple. And that temple, stones, gold, silver, cupolas, what not, you know, begins to be transparent to something else. Who is the temple? What does she reveal? She reveals that which we should know and forget all the time, that God doesn't want to live in handmade temples. He has created one temple and only one, and that's man, the human person, the human body. Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and you are not your own. 
What is uh, the theme, what is the mariological theme of that very beautiful feast of the presentation of the temple? What is? It is uh, the connection with, between uh, uh, Mary and, uh, uh, I would say, the anthropological dimensions of Mariology. She is presenting, presented to us. She is rejoiced about. She is greeted. She is the, uh, the, um, the revelation, the epiphany of what? Of the human person, of the body, as the real temple, as what is temple, the presence of God. And we shall come and we shall abide in her. Now, I think it's very important. I cannot develop that. But if only um, today's debate, that horrible debate between man and woman, which, by the way, was going on always, the dark war of sexes, not only the, today it's, you know, goes one way, it can go to the other way. But if only we could all understand, you know, that, that uh, basically um, there is this, in Mariology reveals to us what I always call the femininity of creation. Creation is a she, not a he. <laughs> creation is the, the, the uh, because God, God takes the initiative and creation responds. Creation is the yes. Creation is the responding love, and we'll see that. But from the very beginning, and first of all, and above everything else, this presentation of the temple reveals the depths, the depths and the beauty of the human nature as revealed in Mary. What is, we says, why do we live? What is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is to become a temple. The meaning of life, what is a temple? The temple is this, this place of presence, the place of joy, the place of an encounter, the place of a kind of um, communion, the place of a banquet, the place of a mystical wedding, all that is the content of the human existence. And it is, uh, again, just as the first, this, from where everything else comes, from the concreteness of the daily existence, now we come to the temple. We take her at her crib. We take her in all her physical reality, as it, and we, now she enters to the temple. And don't forget that more, the more the church looks at her, the more she is rejoicing because she is one of us. Because what happens to her is my destiny, which is revealed to me. What she decides, what she does, she does it for all of us. And then uh, I will, um, we're coming to that feast of the Annunciation, probably one of the most um, uh, wonderful uh, feasts that the church has, and the one which is really biblical this time. But you never can satisfy the biblicist. It's biblical but mythological, because as one theologian says, but I don't live in the world in which angels bring good news to virgins. Uh, I said, you don't, but you might, you know. Uh, it, uh, you you, you um, live in the world in which um, uh, you never eat, you absorb calories. 
Uh, and, and that's why you eat so badly, by the way. Uh, if you would start... So, all this is... You, you, can just, you can't win with those guys. Just you can't, you know. If it's not marked, it's not biblical. If it's marked, it's mythological. And if it's, you says it's John Cross, it says, no, it was written in the 4th century. You can't, you know. So, let's forget about them. Annunciation. You know, those of us who were sort of born in the church and grew up in the church, I'm sure we know how we, we're waiting for that, for that vigil, you know, when there is that unique uh, megalitarion, that viricianie, that when the choir begins to sing, you know, the, uh, the voice of the archangel said to the rejoice. And, and what happens, you know, what, what the whole feast is about is this um, um, endless, absolutely endless, ineffable, Lubavania, uh, loving admiration of what happened then. You know, let's not repeat the story, you know it. But what, who, what is Mary then? What does she, what happens in her and what restores all of us? What opens a new chapter in human history? Yes, again. The story begins with that Adam and Eve. By the way, God never asked Adam and Eve whether they wanted to exist. You know that. Put them. And then he had second thoughts, not God, Adam. Uh, uh, and so on and so forth. And that no entered the world. The horrible no of which I spoke before, you know. The no which will go into darkness until, until Christ will be crucified. But on this day of the Annunciation, on this uh, um, first day of, of, of spring, in fact, you know, the real spring begins because it is here. In that total total simplicity and humility, but without any naivety, because she asked, how will this be? You know, it's very, if we had to put, put the spiritual portrait of Mary, she's not one of those, yeah, 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 no, not at all, you know. She's not, uh, she says, yes, she says, don't you worry, says the angel, the Holy Spirit, God, I'm the servant of the Lord, let it be according, what freedom? The real freedom is here. It's not, you know, the real freedom, the real beauty. It is that yes, and that yes, which will now develop into the two images of the Virgin, which is very difficult to keep together constantly in our real piety, but which, if they are kept, are the source of such absolute and total joy. One is the Virgin. The other one is the Mother. Now, the Virgin. Again, <clears throat> very often, in, in, in the theological debates, in that virginity is reduced to a kind of negative principle. The virginity as the absence of something. Whereas the real spiritual meaning of the virginity, and this is where, you know, kind of almost physiological reductions of that are absolutely out of order is that virginity is understood as precisely that which man has lost in sin, whether he is married or not, whether he has or not, having had, I don't know, sex and so on. This is not the point. Virginity is the wholeness, and we are fragmented. Virginity is the totality, and we are broken. The real sin is the brokenness of our existence. And there is in the, and the brokenness is in us, first of all, flesh, spirit. The lower urges, the higher urges, 
St. Paul crying about that double law which he finds in himself. I know what is good, but in my body I found another law which contradicts. Now, this horrible existence which makes him even cry, who will liberate me from that body of death? So, it is to that brokenness, it is to that impossibility. Maybe the best example of the brokenness is the brokenness of time. We divide the time in three parts, past, present, future. And a little operation will prove you that there is no past, no present, and no future. The past doesn't exist because it's past. The future doesn't exist because it's not yet. And the present doesn't exist because the moment I said that, it's already at the past. So uh, here is this, this total brokenness of everything, which makes all our life is nothing but a kind of expectation and nostalgia and conflict and fight and that dark lust. And again, I don't want to simplify that lust only to one area of human existence. Always that desire of something which never comes. And then, so the real line which I would, con oh, I'm late already, it is, would be to, to sing praises to that virginity which is, which is today for us. Looking at Mary, being in communion with her, is not only something which we have, oh yes, we have lost it, and yet we can find it again. The church will be presented to Christ according to the epistle of the Ephesians as virgin without any spot or wrinkling at the end. And the spiritual life, the real life, is the recovery of that totality. After all betrayals, after all failures, after all surrenders, after surrender to that brokenness, we are rebuilding that temple, that palace. And finally, when you know, when you mix all colors, and boy, when children mix all colors, you know what, how dirty it is. But if they, we would push the children to mix all colors perfectly, we would have the perfect white. If, and if we mixed all sounds, we would have the perfect silence. The silence can be before the sound. The silence can be the crowning and the achievement. And Mary uh, has that, that virginity because she is revealed to us precisely as that, that um, um, uh, perfection of wholeness. And yet she is the mother. She is the mother of Christ, and the motherhood is the second perfection of her. What is the motherhood? It is that which, uh, which consists of A, giving life, and B, giving that life away. Giving life, first of all. Having in herself as her child. And then the whole life is nothing else but giving him away. To Simeon on the 40th day, and finally at the cross. Uh, love and the crucifixion of love and the ultimate finding of love in this sacrifice giving away to God. To have my life in somebody else. This is the mystery of the motherhood. What is the function of the mother in the family? The most perfect function because she belongs, she belongs to everyone. 
she makes happy everyone but the moment she would like to make happy herself and to live for herself no one will be happy <laughs> and uh, everyone will the same way find her as absolutely missing the point you know uh, the proper of the mother is to be devoured eaten and the proper of the mother is to give out so we have these two things you know on the one hand the perfection of the human wholeness this temple this something some place in which it's always so peaceful so quiet so wonderful when life is life and life is god and the life in which everything is taken away little by little the sword will pass through your heart so that you understand the thoughts of many hearts and uh, it is this double vision you know how far we are from from this we want our rights you know and the poor american male who's trying to wash to to, to sweep the floor to the best of his possibilities you know does it very poorly i must say usually you know and it's a kind of unisex and uh, uh, compared to that beauty you know all that is what is is demonic vulgarity here there was at least one place in which mankind knew not something higher than rights higher than uh, than the little debates on who does what and how many hours you put into hours i put to two, two hours you know uh, that we go together and so on and so forth all that horrible bargaining going on which will lead to an ineffable bloodshedding someday instead of that we had this in which finally the world the cosmos became again beauty fullness and joy and this is this is and now we moving to the um to the uh last feast and i'm jumping over at least four chapters here and we're finding that in mary uh is um, uh, this is the 15th of august right the last one the death the remission chemises 15th of august and um i can always remember when i thought think of that feast probably one of the mystically the most mysterious the most beautiful feast because you'll see what happens then it's not it's visible but really it's it's done with such perfection such um i always remember that prayer which we addressed to her in fact next friday evening we'll sing that akafist and uh the friday the fifth friday of lent and there is that sentence rejoice o dawn of the mysterious day radoisya zare taynstvenoga dnya now you know the, the the external celebration is the funeral of mary and that strange story which is inside a strange story because the even the icon is strange there is that mary on on the deathbed and there is christ standing and holding the little mary in his hands you know and we call that uh, the, the west rationalized that assumption you know and um uh, but what we want to say very simply with that that indeed she's so close to god so close to christ through all this from the nativity through the presentation annunciation this bethlehem that night that acceptance of everything standing on the cross and finally being uh, that all this leads to one very simple fact which that feast secretly conveys to us in her the resurrection has begun that day of which we always say as something to come in the future and then 
and the trumpet, bam, bam, bam. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, we'll all find ourselves on the same cloud, you know. It will be a big surprise, you know. Uh, but just as death, just as death is, is still working, so to speak, Spil spiritually triumphing, men surrender to the darkness in the same way the resurrection has also begun. And the whole veneration of Mary is nothing else but the proof that, that she is beyond that. You are the virgin in birth. You are alive after death. And uh, uh, this is why, you know, and I'm coming to the concluding part of my presentation, and in, in so many of the Orthodox churches you will find that around the altar, uh, above the altar, that abscess, if it's well done, you will find that Oranta, the Mary standing, you know, Surrounded with what? With the whole creation. Angels, men, trees. In thee rejoices the whole creation. What does that mean? That means, and I can only state that, maybe next, sometime next time we meet, we can elaborate that because the theologians haven't. It's all this is still just, just coming, just coming. Of course, she is the image of the church for us. You know, when we say church, um, we can have two different feelings of that. The first feeling, which I have certainly, and you understand why, I have been a priest for 33 years, is immediately an image of chanceries, <laughs> bishops, archbishops, um, little intrigues. Uh, uh, and then sometimes, uh, good, you know, it's important. The church must be administered. The church must be, will preparing uh, the council will, no, no, when I think, oh, we'll discuss finances, we have to discuss finances, sure, we are not uh, in disincarnate angels, someone will have to, 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 to clean the rooms and to prepare everything, and so on, so, but all this is, is the form, right, it, it, all these are the, the instruments, the conditions, just like the dollar is a condition, dollar is something I can buy with a dollar, the church, in her structure, I would say is masculine. That's, by the way, why we don't ordain women. Uh, uh, masculine. It's 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 really it's it's plenty of of things like in which power, for example, is people are identified the church with power, and 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 uh, will be quite surprised if I told you, as Berdyaev said, that God has less power than the cop on the corner. With power, he cannot save us. He saves us because he touches our heart with fundamental beauty and joy and this and that, you know. So it's not a power. But the church has never, has never been preached as believe and repent because the archdiocese is at hand. <laughs> because the kingdom of God is at hand. The church has never presented to anyone as the image of life eternal, a meeting of the church committee of the council, necessary and essential as this is, you know. But when I would like to say, why then all this exists? Why we need committees, commissions, councils, all that effort, why? So that from time to time, on Sunday morning, and for those of us who may live a little bit more in the church, from time to time, there will be encounter with that absolute goodness, absolute beauty, absolute perfection, 
at the same time, which is life. And of this, not the archbishops, not, not the janitors, not are, but it is the image of that which is the church's life. The church's life as communion, adoration, entering into that beauty. Or as St. Paul says, the eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, and it has not entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. And yet when we really want to show, there is nothing else we can show but that, that Oranta, that woman dressed in the in sun, surrounded by the whole creation, returning beauty to beauty because beauty was fallen, beauty became temptation and sin. The goodness became a kind of pragmatic thing. The wisdom became stupid intellectualism, and in her, again, that totality is so merry as the image, the icon of the church. One step forward, and merry for us Orthodox becomes the key to the creation, to the creation, because the creation is, is many things. But first of all, the creation is cosmos, and the cosmos comes from the Greek cosmeo, I adorn, I beautify, I put into harmony, cosmetics, right? Uh, 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 the, the, uh, it is, and uh, again, it is this mystery of God's relationship with the world as a marital mystery, as the mystery of love. Uh, the church has never had, today we are, we are Victorian hypocrites. But when the fathers want to present how God loves the world and then the church, what do he use? Why did he use? They use that canticle of canticles, the canticle, the song of songs, which is totally primitively erotic, you know. And yet it is this purification of, of that relationship, that irresistible desire of God for creation and of the creation for God. And here comes this, this bridegroom and the bride, uh, Mary as the eternal image of the world, restored to what it should be, not a heavy, selfish matter, but the world as desire, the world as return, the world as yes, Mary and the church, Mary and the world. And finally, the last remark, Mary and my soul your soul, our souls, the secret existence. What is, what is there the, of course, the church has, um, um, it could be a lecture in itself. For example, there is this service which is called the canon for the separation of the soul from the body. And uh, read it one day if you have time, you know, before it's read for you, uh, when it's too late. Uh, uh, and, and you'll see that maybe this is where, where, where we discover something so simple, you know. It's, it's what we can die in the state of faith and we can be holy and so on and so forth. It's difficult to die. It's horrible to die. God hasn't created. It's not normal to die. There is the... Whatever face, there is that solitude, there is that, that entering, as Dostoevsky said, you know, the, the, the dark room with crouches, you know. And so in that canon, to whom we pray, and how we pray, she is present. It's just like 
a child is sick, you know, what he, that child needs is that that mother's hand would be on his forehead, you know. If it doesn't uh, heal, it helps. <laughs> and, uh, and this is because that heart, though so many hearts were open to her. I'm just saying just one thing, Mary and each one of us. But this is, there is that whole dimension which is so clearly expressed, for example, in the Russian Mariological Feast, the Stupnitsusia, the protectress. Those, so much suffering in the world, she's there because she suffered, she knows, she alleviates, she helps, she, no, she does, never says from, from, but she's there, silently present. One area, maybe the lowest, but very important, because whatever theologian says, life to live, to the end is a very, very painful operation. The second, of course, she is as um, one Akafist, one hymn to her says, she is, for example, the joy of the pious priest. You know, and always says, what there is. Uh, but she is the joy of the pious layman also. <laughs> she is, in fact, uh, what is important, very important in our life, religious life, spiritual life, prayer life, you know, is is um, how to say it? This model encouragement. There is this this presence of. Uh, I spoke in my previous lecture that the main and the most difficult crucifixion is to set the ideal high, to set uh, the treasures somewhere high. Now everything will pull us down, and this is where. Um, it becomes much easier, that aesthetical effort, if we remember that totality, that purity, that chastity, that obedience, that humility, and the perfection of all that. Inspiration, in addition to help. And finally, of course, um, it is exactly these theological dimensions which I spoke. I live in the church all my life. Since I can remember, I was carrying Bishop Smiter, you know, I was five years old, you know, and um, she's my mother, she's my life. I'll never leave the church, you know. But you have to regenerate again and again your faith in the church. <laughs> you have to know that uh, in spite of everything, she is the bride of Christ. You know. And, uh, well, next Friday, next Thursday evening at the Vigil of the Annunciation, we'll know it again, you know. We'll know that no sin, no darkness, no wrinkle can destroy the virginity of that virgin, the church, the motherhood of that mother, the beauty of that perfection. And therefore, in addition to everything, she is the <coughs> this proof. We need proofs. No one in this world could invent the image of Mary. No one. Just as no one could invent the image of Christ. And when today we're living in the world in which all the explanations of man are always by the bottom, never by the top. Man is always reduced. Feuerbach, man is wasser ist, man is what he eats and probably digests. Okay. Uh, uh, Mr. Freud comes. Man is that sexual desire. Man is always that lust. Man is not... So Jean-Paul Sartre comes and says, man is in useless passion. And then we have masses, and we have brackets, and we have Kinsey reports, and it begins truly to stink in this world. And what we need for the salvation, 
is this proof, is this idea that if man could produce or simply know that such mankind exists, the new Adam, Christ, the new, Ad the new Eve, Mary, all that is said about them, that beauty gave birth to so much beauty, that perfection has been reflected in so much perfection, that holiness gave birth to so much holiness, then I would say, my dear friends, whatever our sins, whatever our failures, if only that ideal remains in the darkness and the ugliness of our world, then I would say, thanks to God, glory to Jesus Christ, and a tremendous, joyful veneration to his mother, uh, uh, Mary, who is the heart and, I would say, the kind of internal song of the creation going to God. Thank you very much. <clears throat>